ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Esports Now Network. He's Murph. I'm Jared. Let's get after it. It's Ohio State week. It's the game of the year to date for both programs, and there's a lot at stake in Columbus, Ohio this weekend. Yep, this is it. This is the game. This is what the game has been circled since the beginning of the season. Everything they've done up to this point is leading up to this game. And, and Jared, you know as well as I do, every year it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan. However, this year the stakes seem to be a little bit higher. The confidence seems to be a little bit higher. Can they get past the hump? That is the question that we're looking for out of coach Franklin. Yeah. And, and, and that's the big thing. Can they do this? This is the most talented team they are taking to Columbus, probably since the Paterno era. I'm not going to lie. That 2017 team maybe is pretty close, but that team wasn't expected to, to go into Ohio state and play the way that they did. And they should have ended up winning that game. But this team in, in the way that it is, rostered the way that it is put together this team is expected to go in and be competitive and possibly win the game and there is you know in happy valley there is a distinct possibility that there's some cautious optimism that things are special in there this year they've got drew aller who is consistent he's a steady eddie which is exactly the quarterback that james franklin has always wanted you know trace mcsorley was capable of throwing it deep and he did that and Drew Aller is doing that as well, not even doing that right now because he's just so steady. He's taking what the defense gives him. He's staying within himself, and there is value in that. And Sean Clifford, Sean Clifford experience, you weren't quite sure what you were going to get from him. Anytime that he reached back to fire it, you weren't sure where that ball was going, how it was going to get there, or if it was going to get there. And that's not a knock on Sean. That's just kind of the way that it, it, it was. And, you know, there are some times where he was frustrating. Last year's Ohio State game, it comes to mind. But this year is different. This year, everything is heightened because I think everybody knows that Penn State has a team capable of making the playoff. Everybody knows that Penn State has to get through Ohio State and then Michigan just a few weeks later to get to that point. And that's just in their division, not the Big Ten Championship. Yeah. Um, of course, as you know, this has always been the predicament that Penn State has been in in the East Division of the Big Ten. And you, you have the three best teams, the three better teams of the Big Ten, always slugging it out to get that position. While the West, yeah, the mediocre West. I mean, mediocre West could compete in the ACC, aside from Clemson and, and Florida State, no question. Uh, it just goes to show you that, you know, in order to get to that show, you got to get through the Big Two. And no matter who you are, if it's Michigan, you got to beat Ohio State and Penn State. It's Ohio State, you got to beat Michigan and Penn State. And of course, if you're Penn State, you got to beat Michigan, you got to beat Ohio State. So, exactly. I think the pressure is on this year. I, I think that Franklin is just, um, as you said, he's got the most talented team he's had. He's definitely got the most talented defense, without question. Um, you look at this defense and, and you look at what they've done, and, and, and you know, we're, we're going to keep the Delaware and the UMass games, you know, kind of in, in, the, in the background for, for that matter. But you look at what they did to Iowa. You look at what they did to WVU. And, and nobody's going to, you know, compare Iowa to the greatest show on turf with the Rams of the, of the 90s. But 
when they did what they did to Iowa with the 97 to 33 uh, plays ran, when you mentioned Aller not throwing deep, so Aller is able to complete that three to four yards, four to five yards. And then you got the running backs who, wow, you know, we all know we're not getting the 15, 20 yard burst and runs. And I think up to date till now, I think Bo Prabula uh, still has the longest run from scrimmage uh, right now for, for Penn State for this year. So the grind it out, wear them down, that is going to be key in this game. And, and, you know, even when you have the famous one, why don't you just chuck it deep? Well, I think some things are being held back a little bit that are going to allow them. I, I saw a play last week, uh, Jared, in, in the game against um, UMass, where they ran trips out to the right with the double tight end set with, with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. Tyler Warren come up two steps, put his hands up the block. It looked like a quick screen out to the right. And then Warren just wheeled right around his defender wide open and he simply just dropped a touchdown pass. So yeah, I, I'll, I'll shoot this back over to you. Uh, there's some other things I want to touch on with, with that, but I'll, I'll let you insert your, you know, your thoughts and, and what you think is going to need from Penn state to win this game. Finally. You mentioned that the tight ends, the tight ends have to be involved. They were involved heavily against UMass, but you're right. We haven't seen this Penn state offense yet. We've seen vanilla. It, we've, it's just a smokescreen. We have not seen what they're capable of. We haven't needed to do or to see what we're, what they're capable of. So we're going to get a new Penn State offense. Not necessarily new, but an, the Penn State offense, I guess I should say. I, I don't know if there's a copyright infringement by using the word the um, in that context. I, I really don't know how that works in Columbus. You have um, to say the, not the. Right. So they say right. the, but that they, Ohio State fans just don't know how to spell because the is T H E E. Well, yeah, you're right. It, it, it's the only only state with four letters. So, it, it, and and one of the words in there is high. So, and it's just flanked by two O's. It's like high and two wheels. But you know, enough about the state of Ohio. If the issue for Penn State isn't going to be defensively. It's it's Drew Aller versus Kyle McCord. Can Drew Aller outplay Kyle McCord? And I think he can. I think Penn State. They're going to dial it up, man. Manny Diaz is going to have that defensive front buzzing. Um, I think Penn State does have an advantage defense on the defensive line compared to Ohio State's offensive line. I don't necessarily think that's the same against Michigan, I, but we'll get to that here later um, in the in the podcast. But the thing is, go out, play your game, do what they've been doing. I understand that they played Estradina, who looks a lot better than they previously did. Same thing with Iowa. They smoked Iowa, and Iowa's going to end up 11-1 and or 10-2. and And one of those losses is going to be an outright demolition by Penn State. It'll be funny when Brian Ferentz gets fired when they don't score 20-plus points um, and still end up in the Big Ten championship game because that's how bad the Big Ten West is. But again, it's going to be Aller versus McCord. I talked to Christian Hackenberg um, earlier this afternoon about – or this, I'm sorry, Thursday afternoon – about this game, and I have a piece up on Nittany Sports Now about it. There will be a lot more to come from that conversation with Christian Hackenberg. But it, he ha- they are the better team. I think it, it's in, in a lot of different ways. Can James Franklin outcoach Ryan Day? That's That and the quarterbacks, I think, are, are the two matchups that I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, so for, for my end of things, uh, of course, we all know we have marvelous According to Gus Johnson, we have marvelous Marvin Harrison 
on the other side. Um, but then on the Penn State defensive side, you know, we got Kalen King, uh, we got Daquan Hardy, who, who even as a defensive back has been playing really well this year. Um, he's a small defensive back, but he has good positioning. Uh, he's got good hips. He's able to stay with his guy. And, and as you know, you know, last week he set a Penn State, you know, record with two punt returns, touchdowns in, in, in the same game. And he was co-player, co-special teams hey. player of the week with Iowa's punter. Yeah, how's that? It's, it's pretty bad when you share, share that with a punter. That's uh, impressive. From the other team. So um, I'm looking forward to the, to the matchup that Diaz is going to employ with these defensive backs. Um, you know, you got guys out there, you have you know, your safeties, you know, you got Keaton Ellis back there and you got Jalen Reed and, you know, um, Reed has been, has really come along, I think, um, just kind of raw a little bit, not a lot of playing time the last couple of years and rightfully so because playing behind Teague Brown, you know, and, and guys like that last year, but Diaz has these guys playing. So I have no doubt that Diaz is going to dial something up for Ohio State receivers, whether they're going to play, you know, a man cover one, man cover two, switch it up, whatever it is they're going to do. If they can alienate Harrison onto an island and unleash Chop and Isaac mm-hmm. and, and, and Zariah Fisher and, you know, Abdul Carter, I'm, I'm thinking aside from Kaylin King and, and Daquan Hardy on, on the outside, Abdul Carter simply has to come up with a huge game. Abdul Carter this year has been relatively quiet considering the expectations. Um, but in the years past, our defensive line wasn't super great. So there was more emphasis there in the linebacker position. Now the defensive line under Barnes has, has really come along this year. Has really come along. That's right. And the thing about that is, as well, is they are designing – things differently they are running with three defensive end sets they're doing a, a really good job you know john scott jr i thought was a, was a really good you know replacement for sean spence um you know spence was not was insane and, it, and they had a lot of good defensive linemen come in but they, i don't think they've been this athletic they are not as pow as big as you know penn state defensive lines have typically been but they are as athletic if not more athletic and as explosive as any defensive line that I've seen. You mentioned not mentioning Abdul Carter, but we're not mentioning in the safeties either. We're not mentioning Jalen Reed. We're not mentioning Keaton Ellis. They're not having to make plays. They don't need to make plays. And, and that's a great situation to be in when your defensive backfield doesn't have to make plays. They are doing their jobs. And that's, I think, the biggest thing, you know, for Penn State is everybody is doing their job. It's, it's not – you know, one guy, Chop Robinson's getting to the quarterback. Devon Ellis is getting to the quarterback. Everybody is getting to the into the backfield, and there's a like Dom DeLuca is probably and Tyler Elston are guys that we've been talking about more than anybody, any defensive linebacker or defensive player really, and that's that speaks volumes to what Penn State has been able to accomplish defensively. They've been dominant in every single game on the defensive side of the football. I do think that they gave up some they give up some points to Ohio State. But man, I'm excited to see this defense play play some play some football against Ohio State. You know, Ohio State didn't handle Notre Dame all that great, and and Notre Dame and I and I mean, you read some of the message boards, and that's we'll get to that here in the second segment a little bit. But they, you know, 
they're just happy that Penn State is here and but and, and or it can be mentioned in the same sentence as Notre Dame. Well, Notre Dame hasn't accomplished anything over the last ten years. Like that's it meant they had a couple of fake girlfriends and you know they get smoked in in a lot of bowl games. That's my favorite part of Notre Dame football. Other than Rocky was offsides, um, but again, Penn State and Notre Dame aren't in the same sentence. I think as far as a, as far as play this season has gone. Yeah, I, and, and, you know, you look at the defensive matchup in, in, in Penn State, definitely, um, you know, they, they, they got their work cut out for them here. Um, but I think this is the year that they match up well. This is the fastest defense that Penn State has had. And you look at, like, some of the kids that are coming in off of the bench, uh, uh, Zaki Wheatley and um, oh, the other the other kid, his name escapes me now, Um even like the Jaleel Lions kid who looks like he's going to be a, a stud. Now, I don't expect to see him getting some some playing time, but that kid is like shot out of a cannon on every play. And he's, and he's talked about by the by his teammates as being explosive and being powerful and wanting to kill like hurt somebody. Hurt somebody. Yeah, that was that was uh that was a quote from one of the Penn State players this past week. Was, you know, he just he wants to hurt people. You know, I think it was Sean Robinson. And, 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 you know, I remember when Kevin Gisborne was, you know, playing when he was coming out of Altoona and stuff. I mean, that's just how he was. Um, he was a quiet kid, but he, nobody he, nobody could stop him uh, on the defense and, and so on. But I think when you flip over to the other side and you look at the offense, how is this Penn State offensive line measuring up to the Penn State defensive line? We all know last year, uh, Tua Mali or whatever, <laughs> however you pronounce that guy's last name. He had a career game last year. He had a career game in one quarter against Penn State last year. And, and, and you know, they came back from, what was it, 18 points down or whatever to, to win that game. And he was an absolute monster. Now, if he's lining up against Ali Fashionu, I, I you know, he's going to win some battles. Um, but I have my confidence there. And I, I think that the short game – they got to give Allah protection here. If they want to start opening the game up a little bit, because if you start throwing Eichenberg and, and their, their big defensive tackle, uh, Tyke, is it Tyke Hill Williams? And they got some big boys in there. And you got to open that up. So the passing game is going to be key. And Harrison Wallace is, is you know, and most people know him as Trey Wallace, it is definitely going to be key to this game. Uh, I think on offense, it's going to have to go. Do we get J.B. Nelson back? Do we get him back for half a game? Do we get him back for a few series? Um, that and, and Harrison Wallace being added back into the mix. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith is going to get his. Aller is not going to make mistakes. Aller has already showed us that he's not willing to take a chance on a turnover to give the ball back to the other team and, and the momentum. So, there are definitely some battles, uh, as we see on offense and in defense for Penn State. Like I said, they match up well, but I'm sure we'll talk about it in, in a bit. After, uh, I think we're coming up to a break here soon, but they match up well, and now it's going to come down to the coaching. Yeah, and that's a perfect place to stop for the first segment. We're going to come right back and talk about the coaching matchup here on the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Esports Now Network after this break. (laughs) 
Welcome back to the second segment of the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Nitty Sports Now Network. I'm Jared. He's Murph. Listen, it's Day versus Franklin. It's Franklin versus Day. It's their coaching staff versus Penn State's coaching staff. I don't quite know who has the upper hand. Um, but I think there's far more pressure on Ohio State than Penn State in this one. So I think this is one of those cases where I'm gonna I'm gonna take that the other view of that. Um, I I I firmly think it's on Penn State, and the reason for that for me is what we talked about in the first segment, Jed, is that James Franklin has been scrutinized. Um, it, it, you know the message board fodder. You, you you know the Twitter uh, the Twitter comments about Franklin and. And I even had a good discussion with a, a very well-known uh, coach uh, from Altoona this week. And, you know, he's like, you know, this has to be it. He has to do it. It's either do it or don't do it. Get out. Be done. If you can't get over the hump now, you've had all your chances. Um, and so knowing that the team that they have is, is finally capable of beating them, where over the last, you know, eight to nine years, they, it didn't necessarily have a team. If you look on paper, you'd think, ah, they're going to beat Ohio State. This year, despite being a four-and-a-half-point dog, I, I really think that a lot of the money is heading on to Penn State. I think this is everybody seeing the same thing that we're talking about. Um, I think the pressure is on Franklin. Now, when I say this, you have to look at what – some of the fans from before are, are just, you get these complacent fans that 10 and two, that's a great season. Uh, 10 and two, we go to a big, a, a, a bowl game. And, you know, that's great when you're a top 20 team, top, maybe even top 25. Penn State, the, the standards need to be a little bit higher now. And, and, and the reason I say that is because Pat Kraft has come in here. They're doing things now. They're, they're upgrading the Lash building. They're upgrading the weight room. They're, now they're going to Beaver Stadium. They see this. They know this. So I think the pressure more, I would say, Joe, the pressure is more on Franklin. And, and I'm just going to read a few quick stats here off to you that kind of puts things into perspective when it comes to James Franklin in big games. One in 11 versus the top five teams. One and eight against Ohio State. Oh and nine on the road versus top 10 teams. Two and 11 on the road versus top 25 teams. I personally, I like James Franklin. I think James Franklin is great for the university. I think great as a leader, as a leader of young men to help them succeed in life. We have seen many instances of this. We've seen guys that maybe weren't exactly, um, you know, uh, standouts and, and, and such for the Penn State team, guys that have gone and, you know, retired or transferred. But they all come back. They all come back. And, and, and talk about Franklin. So I think this is a year. James Franklin needs to get it done. And I really think the pressure is more on Penn State than Ohio State. That's By my all point. Let's hear your counterpoint. No, I, I, I mean, he does have to get it done. I think Ryan Day, though, Ryan Day's issue is he can't, he's not beating Michigan regularly anymore. 
that does not fly at at Ohio State. You have to beat Michigan. Like he could go one and eleven as long as that one win is against Michigan. But the issue is they're not beating Michigan and they're not winning national titles. At Ohio State, that's the expectation. That's the level that that Urban Meyer, you know, put it put forth, right? Even Jim Tressel had that type of success. So now if you're not beating Michigan, then you get beat by Penn State. Well, now it's like, okay, well, you got beat by Penn State. You got beat by James Franklin. And don't get me wrong. Like, I think there, like I said in the first segment, within the locker room in Happy Valley, there is some cautious optimism that there's things that are very special. Obviously, they're not going to speak on it. But they are. there's that cautious optimism that there's something brewing here in the, in the locker room. And there's something brewing for Penn State. They Their first first check, test mark or benchmark is Ohio State. They've competed with them. They It's typically a one or two score game. It's been like that for quite some time. Now you've got to put up or shut up. But for, for Ryan Day, you're not proving anything. You have Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord is not the same type of guy that – that Strout is, that, you know, that Justin Fields was, guys like that. And and when you have that, you need to be able to win and you need to be able to beat teams you're supposed to beat. Ohio State's supposed to beat Penn State right now. But if they go in and they don't beat Ohio State or don't beat Penn State in the shoe, then they don't control their destiny anymore. Mm-hmm. And then they lose to Michigan last game of the year, which is – kind of which is very possible right then then ryan day's hot seat gets even hotter now i don't know who you go out and get that's better than ryan day it's same thing with james franklin i don't know who you replace them with right but at the same time they both have to put up or shut up no no that's 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 perfectly said um i i agree that you know, at least Ryan Day is there and his teams are competing in the playoffs. You know, they're in the playoffs. They're, 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 they're going, you know, they got last year went and, you know, gave up a ton of points to, to TCU. And then, of course, it came down at the end and, and a missed field goal uh, caused them not to go to the championship. But when, when you look at all things, um, I, I get, you know, fans are spoiled. Fans are spoiled. You go from Jim Trestle to Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, and it, yeah, I, I get that. Uh, Penn State has had some, you know, there's been some down, down years. You know, they had the that the, the losing season there a few years back, but you know the COVID. You know, so it's it's kind of really hard to arrive at a conclusion over that. Um, but when you look at what James Franklin has been able to do. You know, you look at the Pitt fans, and the Pitt fans are, oh, da, 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 da. James Franklin has more 10-win seasons in the last five years than Pitt has since 1981. But yet, somehow, Pitt fans think that Pitt is a better program than Penn State. Uh, that's my weekly Pitt dig. I knew you knew it was coming at some point, so there it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I just – I feel – I feel that the – I think the expectations are higher, but I also feel that the result of this game is higher. They're, they're, they're number six or, or number seven, really, um, which I I had no problem with them dropping one spot after what Washington did last week because, again, it does not matter. 
What happens against Ohio State? What happens against Michigan? That's going to matter. doesn't matter what happened in that game. Penn State's going to bump up. If, if they beat Ohio State, Penn State's probably going to be three. I can see them being three. I can see them being four. I think they go to three if they beat Ohio State. Uh, and if they beat Michigan, right, the conversation's got to be one or two if they can come out and beat Michigan in that. So I just think the stakes are higher this time. The expectations are higher. They're where they're at. Bottom line is we know how they are with slow starts. They, 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 they've come out in games this year and they've been slow. But when it comes to the Ohio State game, they got to learn how to finish because those losses that they had those three years in a row by one, by one, and, and, and I forget what the other one was, maybe seven points, they all had leads going into the, to the fourth quarter. So Manny Diaz has his defense ready. I don't really expect something like that to happen, or we shouldn't expect something like that to happen. Um, but like I say, that's why you play the game. Absolutely. And I, that's the that's the beauty of this game. This game has so much riding on it. It's week seven. You know, this is only the seventh game of the season for these teams. This is the second half. This kicks off the second half of of the season. And I think that's what makes this game even even higher, right? The team that loses still has time to recover. Both teams still have to face Michigan. Both teams, you know, or I'm sorry, Penn State will get Maryland. Maryland, although they lost to Illinois, Illinois is proving to be a better team. But that's the thing. Still, so much can happen. But the, the, the ultimate thing is they have to control their own destiny. Penn State needs to be in control of that. And if they're not, 2016 happens all over again. Now, the, on the flip side, James Franklin is a blocked field goal away from not winning a single game against Ohio State in his tenure. You know, you've got to slay the big dogs, right? The one and no mentality, the good to elite, the the great to elite, whatever. It's been five years since that. Have they shored that up a little bit? Yeah, but you can shore it up all you want in recruiting and, and facilities. It's got to come down to the win column. It is as big of a, of a game for a week seven game or, or seventh game of the season, I should say, as any game has ever been for both sides. Obviously, it means something different to Ohio State. It means something different to Penn State. But this is going to show you who wants to play for their guy more. I, I, I give James Franklin credit, you know, hearing guys like Chopper Robinson, Adisa Isaac, Theo Johnson. This dude gets guys to speak consistently in the same tone. It's one to know. It's only Ohio State. We're not focused on anybody else. That There is value in that because they believe in it. And I think that's what's going to matter here you know this isn't ohio state's big game their big rivalry game is michigan that's the game that matters right they they delete an entire letter out of an out of the alphabet for however long right the letter m sorry sesame street but but for penn state to go into ohio state this is not a win saturday proves that they belong in the playoff chase they've been the bridesmaid for years you know, 2016, again, they were the bridesmaid, and then um, they ended up just missing. Should they have gotten in? I do think so. That team probably could have done something. Now, you know, the beauty of that is going to the Rose Bowl and then losing to USC. And the USC is its own little tire fire right now, which is kind of entertaining to watch. But, again, just go out, control what you can control, and take care of business. And that's James Franklin's mentality. And I think getting his players to believe in that, 
it just speaks volumes to what he's been able to do as a coach. It's just now you've got to put up or shut up and finally slay the dragon, slay the Buckeyes in front of the entire country because the entire country is going to be watching Saturday at 12 noon or 12.08 until probably about 6 or 7 o'clock because it's a big noon kickoff on Fox. Yeah, I mean, this game comes down to, you know, when you, when you start looking at things and you look at, at the landscape moving forward from this game, you know, and what happens? What happens with the team that loses this game? Okay, fine. So, say Penn State loses this game. So, they're, they're, they got to beat Michigan in. They have to come out and beat Michigan or all bets are off. If Ohio State loses this game, same thing for them. They got to come out and beat Michigan and hope Michigan beats Penn State. So it all comes down to the tiebreaker. And this was an interesting conversation I was having this week um, with a friend of mine about the tiebreaker. You know, he's like, if Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan all win at home, it may end up coming down to the fifth tiebreaker, which would be the record against the top teams in the Big Ten West. And uh, College Game Day was covering it on the broadcast this past Saturday. Um, and 11-1 and might get you in. It might get you in. Um, you got to keep rooting for WVU to help out with that strength of schedule a little bit there. Uh, of course, you know, WVU lost last week on a, on a Hail Mary uh, <laughs> on the last play of the game. Necessitated by, you know, you know, a 15-yard penalty. Like I said. We talked about it last play. week, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh, so, you know, there's little things, things that happen in these games that, will dictate what may happen and occur moving forward with, with things. And, you know, there was a, a situation this past week, and I, I read about it. I, I didn't read the whole entire article, but it's basically saying there could be possibly four to five teams, five teams maybe, six teams, that could be undefeated at the end of the season. So, you know, with the Georgia – Michigan or the Ohio State or the Penn State, whichever one may be undefeated. Um, or all three can have a loss. Exactly. And you got a Washington. And now Georgia just lost arguably one of the top five offensive players in the country in Brock Bowers um, this past week for the season. So they did say four to six weeks, but it's looking more like it could be season ending. So, you know, Georgia's hurt a little bit. Um, Alabama is not strong. Uh, so, yes, these, these games matter. These games are going to count. And it's unfortunate that this isn't a 12-team playoff because I think this year is going to be a good reason that the 12-team playoff should have been instituted earlier because you're going to have some pretty good teams left out of the mix this year. Absolutely. And, and you know, looking ahead to Penn State's schedule, before we go to, to a, the final break here, Penn State's got Ohio State this weekend, right? Then they go to then they host Indiana. They're at Maryland, who is five and two. Michigan, they they host Michigan seven and zero. Oh. They host Rutgers five and two, and then they end on the road at Michigan State. You know that's not a, an easy schedule by any means, but there are some teams with some serious wins there that could really, really you know start turning some heads. Um, you you hope that. Illinois and Iowa keep winning. Uh, same thing with, with West Virginia and, and even Delaware and UMass. You want them to win, make that look a little bit better for the for what they did um, to them. But 
again, it, it's as simple as just win. You've got to go out and execute. You know, I was talking in my talk with Hackenberg earlier. He's like, sometimes it's not always the quarterback that it, it's that's at fault, right? We look at the Illinois game, and, and we talk about the Illinois game, and Drew Aller didn't look great coming off the bus. But that's not always Drew Aller's fault. Receivers run ter- bad routes. Something gets tipped. Something does this. Something does that. There are so many things that go into it, so many different variables. So right. this, for Penn State, they need to control the, the dynamic. They need to control the tempo. And if they're able to do that and keep the, the Ohio State offense off the field, good things will typically happen. But we're going to talk a little bit more about our predictions for the game when we come back from this final break on the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the Behind the Curtain podcast on the Nittany Sports Now Network. He's Murph. I'm Jared. Now, my prediction is I've got Penn State 30, 31, Ohio State 24. I'm taking Penn State probably for the first time. Um, in since I started covering the team, this is a team that needs this win. They need it a little bit, like you said, they need it a little bit more badly than Ohio State does. But this would be the springboard for this program, much like the Big Ten Championship was in 2016. And I'm not saying that they don't need a springboard, um, because I, I mean, the way that they have done things and the way things are going, um, it is it, things are trending in the right direction by all means, but this would just springboard them into that elite talk into that top four talk that they deserve that James Franklin has worked so hard to attain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and let's not forget to, you know, there are going to be a ton of recruits at this game. Um, and, and, and a certain Anthony Saka, uh, and that should ring a bell to some Penn state faithful. And, and that is, Tony Saka's son. Um, he's the number two rated player in Pennsylvania right now at St. Joe's Prep. Um, so, you know, Saka's going to be at the game. I know Penn State offered him, obviously. He's a Penn State legacy. But putting that together, it also has an effect on recruiting. Um, you look at things, some of these kids, you know, you, you look at a Cal McCord. Uh, he's a St. Joe's Prep kid, uh, if, if I'm correct. So, you have the Ohio, the Pennsylvania kid playing for Ohio State. You have Drew Aller from Medina, Ohio, playing at Penn State. You know, so these battles across the state lines and stuff are there. They're real. Um, you know, of course, Penn State draws guys now. They're starting to draw guys from the south. You know, you got Florida, uh, Texas, um, just like Ohio State and Michigan does. They're starting to be a national draw. This is more than just right in the immediate vicinity of you know, what used to be a, a big recruiting hotbed um, in, the, in the DMV area, which Penn State has done very well and, and, and still continues to do well in that regard. So all that said, all we've discussed, all we've talked about, throwing the weather into the mix, there's a 40% chance of rain, which Penn State should be used to playing in the rain by now. The factor that I have here is the James Franklin overall record. I'm going with Penn State. 17, Ohio State, 20. Until James Franklin steps up, wins a big game, gets these guys over the hump, um, I'm going to continue to give the other team the benefit of the doubt until this happens. And 
That's where I am at with that. No, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's warranted, right? James Franklin's got to put up or shut up. I think it's that time. And and I mentioned this on, on the Lashing Out podcast, the time is now. And for, for them, it's to do it. Like you mentioned, the Beaver Stadium renovations are coming. You know, that's that place is going from great to elite. You know, it's not a, a great aesthetically pleasing stadium from the outside. It looks very much like an erector set. You can see all the seams from the originals and, and, and which that's yeah, character, right? There's nothing quite like a frozen bleacher in November. But again, you gotta win. You just like Al Davis said it, right? Just win, baby. Just win. That's that's what they need to do. They have the talent and the ability to go into Happy Valley and or I'm sorry, into Columbus and do that. And a win in Columbus is going to mean way more than a win at, at Beaver Stadium. You're going into what I think is going to be a hostile environment. It's not nearly as hostile as it could be. A 4 o'clock game or a, or a 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock game is far more hostile than this game would be. Now, let's not forget the last time they, they played in Columbus, Ohio State stormed the field in the weakest field storming ever. Um, I remember being there on the on the field for that one. That was just so, so bizarre. But go over, take care of business, come back with a win. And Penn State, now they're in the driver's seat. They're in the, the, the playoff talk, even if they lose to Michigan. And I think that matters as well. Now, precedent has already been set. We know that. We, we, we saw, you know, if they lose to Michigan, Michigan goes to the Big Ten championship game, gets in. Penn State sitting there with uh, one loss, and they get in, just like Ohio State did. And so uh, the, the precedent is there, but I, I agree with what you said, Jared. Uh, it, you know, baseball, you know, you have magic number and, and things like that. And a lot of times you look around and you got scoreboard watching going on. You know, you need help. You need this team to beat this team to help this. Go out, take care of business. Don't leave it up to the results of the other team. I mean, you know, as well as I do, when that happened to Penn State, when they got into the Big Ten championship game against Wisconsin, you know, everybody was scoreboard watching in the stadium. We literally were mm-hmm. watching it on our phone. We were at the Michigan State Penn State game that night, knowing that they needed something else to happen. And don't tell me that those kids didn't know it on the field at that time because they came out lackluster against Michigan State. And once it was found out that Ohio State won that game against Michigan, then it was the team just went off. So hopefully they don't have to use that this year. They go out and take care of business. Like I said, do I want, of course I want Penn State to win. Uh, They're they're my team. Um, But until James from State College gets them over the hump and starts winning these games, I I have doubts. As you should, as everybody should. This this game, and I I mentioned this, I believe, on the Lashing Out podcast too. This game validates James Franklin. It validates the money. It validates the contract. It validates everything about him. The one on mentality works. And, it, and it's really weird to say that about a midseason game, but it's Ohio State. It's it's different. You know, Penn State is unrivaled, right? Blah, 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 blah. But this game means something. The magnitude and the stakes for this game matter. There's talk all week. It is – we record this on Thursday – about Penn State being capable of winning. It's not Penn State going there and it being a fluke that they won, like 2016. That's no disrespect to what happened in 2016, but they weren't expected to win. This is a game they are expected to go and win. And I think that's that's what's crazy to me in a good way. 
But enough about Ohio State. I want to talk real quick before we go. Beaver Stadium. What is the one thing that you want to see as part of these renova- renovations? Personally? Um, wow. I wasn't expecting that question to come up. Um, obviously, we all know as men, the, the, the trough's got to go, brother, in, in, the, in the restrooms. The would, you buy a, would you buy a trough for your office? I would absolutely not buy a trough from my office. <laughs> that wouldn't be an addition to the man cave? No, that wouldn't go over. It's a hell of a conversation there. piece. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm sure. But, you know, I, I looked at the renovations and, and what they're going to start doing and stuff, and it, it would be nice to see, you know, I don't know exactly what. Facade work is going to go a long way, facade work. Um, the interior stuff will come. I already know that, you know, as, as I mentioned, they're doing things in there to uh, winterize it so that when this 12-team playoff starts, they can, um, you know, host a, a playoff game if need be when it's, you know, December, uh, so on and so forth. And I mean, that's great. Who doesn't want to see a team from the South come up here and play Penn State in December in six inches of snow and, and cold weather and, and, and so on. So, um I don't have a real great opinion on that with the grass, but I'm just I think the aesthetic part is going to go a long way for the wow factor. Um, but um, I I don't have anything else past that. No, I, I listen. I love the press box. It is like a double wide <laughs> on steel beams. And and what's crazy about this is like and I, the my first memory of Penn State football. Uh, his first game I ever went to was in 2008. They played Juice Williams in Illinois. It was a whiteout game. We sat right underneath the scoreboard. We had just talked about, you know, in physics class about the stadium moving. And the stadium, wouldn't you know, that stadium moved. And I could see it moving. I'm like, oh, this is how I die, right? I'm going to be, I'm going <laughs> to die atop Beaver Stadium. And, you know, it's, but getting into the, the Beaver Stadium press box, people were like, oh, what's it like here? I'm like, just wait. Just wait. And it just starts shaking back and forth. I'm like, welcome to Beaver Stadium. And I think that's probably the coolest thing. You know, it's a little uneasy at times, but I get so used to it. But I, <laughs> there was a game a couple years ago. Actually, your son and I went to a game against Michigan State years, years ago. And when we were both in college and it was the last game of the season, there was a swirling wind and it was absolutely miserable. Just absolutely miserable. The wind, was everything. The, was that the Illinois game? When no. It was a goal no. at the end? No, it was Michigan State. It was a swirling okay. wind. Okay. Um, or, or are you talking about the whiteout game? No, I was. I was. I wasn't sure which one because you know, obviously, he had students take that. So he went to every game. But I was thinking of the game where it was cold. It was starting to snow, and the whole student section ran to one side of the student section when the kicker was lined up for like a twenty-nine yard. Oh no, 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 no! It was. It was not that one. But I do remember that. Um. But yeah, there was a, a game a couple of years ago. Um, after Thanksgiving break, the pipes froze. We had to in the press box, and we had to go to the bathroom on the concourse, um, and that was incredible. I thought that was a great moment. Um, you know, we have a couple minutes left here. I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about meat chicken. I'm sorry, Michigan, and uh, Jim Harbaugh. It's not burgers this time. It is just you know. <laughs> Doing something that no, but nothing is like 
sign stealing, right? We're, we are, he is the college football version of the Astros. I don't know how valid this is. You know, there's a clip of Greg Schiano's halftime interview um, from Michigan um, where he talks about, he's like, it was the most awkward interview I've, I've seen in quite some time from Shiano. Shiano knows how to handle the media, but I thought it was like fascinating. I was like, Oh, well, he was like, well, we just got to play football. And there were, there's some other stuff on the field that we need to take care of. I'm like, that's a little weird, but in the context of knowing now that they're being investigated by the NCAA in the big, like, obviously they think it's a big enough deal where the big 10 came out and made a statement about it. You know, yeah. this is the integrity of the sport. And I think that's that's funny to me. In per, for those of you that don't know, in-person scouting has not been a thing since 1994. That it, it was a cost-cutting measure before college football exploded. There's so much film and so much access to film now. You don't need to go scout. You don't need to put people in stadiums and, or press boxes and have them scout. But Jim, Jim Harbaugh, he is doing a great job of it. He's going out and putting people to – and they seem to know what's going on. And there was a story out today as well – this is Thursday, right? That, that Michigan State knew about this, and they were threatening to forfeit their game out of the fear of the health and safety of their players, which is incredibly asinine to me, but just absolutely wild. And I – Say Harbaugh is a weird cat. Like I, I don't know that I can say it any nicely, any more nicely, or or any differently. He is just weird. But this is just adding so much to to Michigan, and I absolutely am here for it. Yeah, like, and and I agree with what you said. Though, Jared, that you know, how how do you prove something like this? Where do you? How do you have proof? Somebody somewhere is talking because it's more than just one. Uh, incident and it's coming from multiple schools not just one and the best uh, part is sorry to interrupt you who the hell if they needed to steal signs from this year <laughs> well, that's just what we were you know what we were looking at there earlier and you know last year even last year the three games against that michigan played against ohio state maryland and penn state after halftime of those games, they outscored those three opponents 69 to 6. Now, granted, Michigan was good, but that is a little bit weird uh, considering, you know, it was Ohio State, it was Penn State. Maryland, we all know Maryland. Maryland starts off 4 0, 5 0. They give the kids Friday off for. for you know, school, they all show up to Penn State game. And by midway through the third quarter, the whole entire Penn State student section has now taken over Maryland. Maryland's starting their swoon already. Now they lost two in a row. But back to the topic at hand here. Um, you know, stealing signs, and you look at garbage can boys in, in, in Houston. And, and, you know, stealing signs in baseball and is, is one thing where you, you know, if you can get away with it, it's part of the game. You still have okay. to hit the ball. Exactly. It's like steroids. Um, As as I was telling you, you know, even in Little League, I've witnessed it happen against my team in Little League. Okay, that's going a little extreme. If if, if you're a coach on the other team and you're stealing the signs that we're giving our pitchers and stuff like that um, to win the game, we caught on to it. My assistant coach says, I think they're stealing signs. And sure enough, they were. Um, So 
okay. I mean, if we're going to do that at the Little League level, uh, it's a little bit crappy. But, you know, all I can say is the next two two games we come out in the playoffs and blew their doors off. So that was the end of that. Um, But, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out with with Michigan. But, uh, Jared, I want to read a quote to you real quick that I happened to see on, on X today. And it says, Jim Harbaugh says, Ryan Day was born on third base. All while Jim Harbaugh was out here stealing third base. <laughs> so, so, you know, people are creative and, uh, you know, and it's like, is it a big infraction? I, I, I don't know how to answer that. All I know is now there's been two separate investigations into Harbaugh and his tactics. And, you know, uh, uh, the old adage of where there's smoke, there's fire. Is that what's going on here? I don't know. I can't answer that. Uh, from from my point of view, I would love if it was. You know, I, I, would, I hope it'll lead to bigger things. But um, I don't know. I, I just, Michigan, again, is, is, is hitting the headlines for something other than, than beating their opponents. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Yeah, I agree. And that's a th- so for me, I think it's Michigan putting this out there. Like I, I think it's the university as a whole in a way, in a weird way to get rid of Harbaugh. He is weird. Um, his antics are bizarre. Um, and listen, it's Michigan. They don't want to deal with this. They don't want to. And, and he's the golden boy there, or at least should be. Right? He's an alum. He's done. And then Tom Brady takes over, and they win the Super Bowl. Right? But, um, but I do think I do think it's weird. I don't know the the brevity of the situation. I think. You know, ceiling every and let's be real. If you watch enough film, you know what's coming, regardless of the signs, regardless of anything. All you got to do is put the all twenty-two on, right? You watch the end zone clip. You know when they line up in certain formations, what's going to happen? That's that's football. That's scouting. That's all the way down to the pee wee level and all the way up to the pros. That's called watching film. Now, if he's stealing signs so that he knows what's going on, that's a little bit different. But again. You still got to go out and make plays, but it does make it easier when you know what's coming. It's like cheating cool. on a test. But again, it, it, for me, I, I think it's hilarious. This is just pure comedy. It's not quite sleeping on a having a sleepover with a recruit that's only a kicker. But you know, people have done weirder things, or maybe they haven't. Maybe it was. Maybe they settled this over a burger. I don't really know. Well, I. Uh... Like I said, it's just going to be interesting to see how this play out. It, it, it probably end up being nothing when it comes down to it. Uh, it's just another distraction for, for Michigan to kind of push out of the way and, and, and be done with it. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. But, uh, you know, that that aside, obviously, you know, here we are. Uh, T minus two, uh, about T minus one for you back there in the, in the East Coast. Um, with the Penn State game is a nice thing for me at 9.08 a.m. The game starts by 12.30 in the afternoon. I'm done. And I can either, you know, I, I'm busy work this week and probably going to work Saturday. So depends how much and how long I work on Saturday is going to depend on how that game ends up. <laughs> that, I wish I could say the same. Um, I'm heading out. I, I leave for Columbus on Friday. I'll get there Friday afternoon. 
go to Ohio Stadium and the athletic department, pick up my credential, and then I spend all day. I'm going to the Skull Session, um, which is the band's performance before the game. My wife's grandfather was in the Ohio State Marching Band. Um, the pre like He was in the band so long ago that it was before they allowed women um, in the band, which is kind of a cool story. Um, so I'm going to that. And to see that, I think is going to be really neat. You know, that's the one thing that I don't think you can say against the Big Ten is the bands, the marching bands are, are, are the one of the better parts of the game day atmosphere. You know, from Penn State and the Bulu Band, Ohio State and the best damn band in the land, and even Michigan State's band, or not Michigan State's, but but Michigan and even Michigan State's, I guess. But the, the bands are, are probably just about a big of a part of the game day atmosphere as, as the football games are. But being able to go out and see that. You know, all eyes are going to be on Columbus starting early, right? Game day is from Columbus. Uh, you've got Fox Big Noon from Columbus, so there are a lot of things going on. But it'll be it'll be fun to see, you know, the atmosphere, what that's like, um, because not only do it, 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 it happens so fast, you you show up and the game starts at noon or or whatever, and then the game's over, and and then you have the rest of the day to watch a full slate of college football. So luckily for me, I will be at Ohio Stadium. This will be my third trip out there, and I'm I'm pretty pumped to to be able to go see that and and witness it again. They are a Coca Cola school, um, so got to give a shout out to the the best brand of soda in the land. Um, but that as almost every Big Ten school is actually Penn State is of course Pepsi, but why would Penn State have anything red to advertise? Oh yeah, it's a red out, by the way. Don't forget to wear red. That's right. I, I did read that. It's sorry, red sorry, out. sorry. I said that wrong. Oh. Scarlet. <laughs> Taylor's version. Yeah, just like you know, black and black and gold, black and gold, black and gold, and it's it's yellow. People, it's, the Steelers' <laughs> colors are not gold. It's, it's you mean Notre Dame uh, is gold. Pittsburgh is yellow. So Iowa Hawkeyes. Yeah. Exactly. But enough about jerseys, enough about Ohio State. It's nearly game time. For Paul Murphy, this has been Jared Prugar on the Behind the Curtain podcast. We thank you as always for listening. We'll catch you again next week.